Hello and welcome to the Keeper Cup Podcast. I'm Chad Young, joined as always by Pete Ball. We are very excited to be back together, Pete. Been a couple weeks of us going solo. Now we, we finally found time. Barely, barely found time, but found time to get together. <laughs> Yeah, thank God. It was a battle with COVID and then you were out. And so it's I feel like the last time we spoke, Trevor Story was batting like a buck 20. A lot's changed. Yeah, now he's yeah, he's hitting home runs like every four minutes now. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so it's been a nice, nice surprise. Yeah, no, it's you know, I, I felt so good about Story going to Boston, not even as a Boston fan, not even as a Story fan, per se, just as like, a, hey, this seems like a good fit. He'll do well there. And then it just it just super wasn't happening. <laughs> and, and it was like, no. well, it's going to happen at some point, right? At some point, this has to this has to change. And then it happened all at once with that three home run day. And he's just been on fire basically ever since. So, yeah, I'm just glad. I like I love seeing the uh, can't hit outside of cores narrative being beaten once again. It is the stupidest narrative in baseball. So, yep. Take yep, that. Yep. <laughs> ha. That's right. Narrative. We've hit you again. So that's right. We don't really want to talk about story today. I mean, I'm sure you do want to talk about story today. Why would you not want to talk no, about story? No, it's okay. But, that's okay. <laughs> but yeah. what we do want to talk about today is in keeper leagues, one of the tougher choices I have, and, and this came up in part because I'm looking at a, my keeper league right now. I'm going I'm to tell a little story to introduce what we're doing. We've got my CBS keeper league. I've talked about this league before. It's 25-man rosters, $260 salary cap additional money in season, which is a whole other thing, but don't worry about that. We keep up to 14, I think 14. Yeah, we keep up to 14. We also get two guys voted off each year. So you really have as many as like 16 keepers in theory. And on that team, I've got a bunch of young, talented players who I really like. And my team has been, well, first of all, I'm completely beat up by injuries. My IL right now includes... Nick Lodolo, Lance Lynn, Joe Ryan, Giancarlo Stanton, Willie Adamas, Jonathan India. And that's only after I cut a couple of injured players this week because I just I I had uh, Dan Vogelbach who got hurt and I had drafted Tyler Glass now as just a stash. And like I I eventually just had to give up all those guys. So it's been a mess. But in addition to that, on that team, I have guys like George Kirby. I have Garrett Whitlock. I just added Ronzi Contreras. I've got Brian Hayes, a few others that are that are in this sort of young, breaking out or trying to break out, not necessarily established. It's hard to sort of know what you're going to get from them going forward. And I've got this difficult choice to make right now, especially as some of these guys come off the IL and need roster spots back, of figuring out which of these guys I should be shopping and which of these guys I should be building around. You know, some of these guys, I don't think it's a super hard decision. I mean, as much as I love Cabrian Hayes, I don't think I'm building around him, especially since I've got a cheap Jose Ramirez at third base already. But there's others like, you know, is George Kirby going to be a key part of my rotation for years to come? Garrett Whitlock, Rowan Z. Contreras, they may be. And you need, you know, five, six, seven starting pitchers in a league like this one. And so it's hard to give those guys up. And so I got this this thought in my head of like, who are guys who are either relatively young and breaking out or sort of surprisingly breaking out or anything like that, who, if you're sitting with them in a keeper league right now, you're stuck with this decision of like, 
do I want to just count on this guy as a long-term piece who I believe is going to keep delivering for me this year and into the future? Or is now the right time to to sell and, and, and move that young player for someone who is maybe better right now, maybe more established, maybe more reliable? And I'm, I'm having a hard time with some of these guys. So I thought, let's debate that. Let's just, let's talk about this. And I think it's probably worth noting that like, a decision to sell one of these players is not necessarily saying they're going to fall apart, right? Because the reality is you have limited keeper spots, you have limited roster spots, you can't keep every good player. And so in some of these cases, and I, you know, we'll get into some of these names specifically, but you may, we may, I may say, Pete may say you should sell someone. And that doesn't mean you should sell them because the bottom is about to fall out and you know get out while you still can. It just might mean that in a keeper league, their value might be high enough that you can do better right now. So I- I'm intrigued by this. We'll see how it goes. We're sort of doing this on the fly. So we're going to throw some names out there and debate them. And hopefully, hopefully we'll find it interesting. Hopefully you'll find it interesting. We'll find out, I guess. And I think it's important to note too, right? That like there's going to be guys who looking at this list, I definitely would say no way would I trade them. And at the same time, if I'm sitting there with my Julio Rodriguez, I'm in contention and somebody offers me Mike Trout for him. Well, I'm going to take that trade, even though I told you I'm not going to trade Julio Rodriguez. So obviously we're not saying under no circumstances should you move some of these players. And we're also not saying that just because we say sell a player that you need to just immediately go and move them, but rather these are guys that we're considering building our team around going forward. And these are some other guys we're thinking about selling high on. Yeah. So I think with that, let's let's start with Rodriguez. Since you already mentioned him and he is on this list. I, I mean, I think you already answered it when you said you would trade him for Mike Trout, but otherwise, probably not. I agree that this is not a guy that I'd be shopping right now. Yes, I do think there are probably outfielders out there who you could trade for right now who would be more productive for you this year. I do think you could trade an inexpensive Julio Rodriguez for a a stud outfielder if you really needed to add a stud outfielder. However, I think Rodriguez is legit. And I think, man, I, to me, he is. he does look like the kind of guy you want to build around. It's not just about like, oh, I think he can produce this year. It's like, I think you're going to want him for a long time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the power's... Coming through in May, I mean, I, I guess if you're in a league that penalizes strikeouts more than others, that like you might look at the 30% strikeout rate and say like, oh, that's concerning. But that's right at 26% for May. It's it it's looks inflated from a 37% in April. So like that, even that's coming down. There's literally nothing to not like. I think the speed has been more than what we thought it was going to be. I mean. Everything is there. It looks like he's just becoming a superstar. Maybe we're just so hesitant as a fantasy community because we've been burned time and time and time again by elite prospects over the last couple of years. But Rodriguez is legit. I'm, I'm not moving him. Like you've you've got to offer me a lot for me to part ways with a Rodriguez, especially if I have him at a pretty reasonable deal. I mean, I'm sure his average salary on Otnew is. I'm just going to take a wild guess, like six seventy three. I have no idea, but like there's. <laughs> There's no way it's that expensive, and he he might be the best bargain in Otnu right now because of it. it it's it's seven eighty eight. So okay, you, you were a little short, but still pretty good. So let me let me ask a question then on, on Rodriguez. You wake up tomorrow morning, and it is suddenly February twenty twenty three. 
and you're on the clock in a draft, how early are you considering Rodriguez in drafts you know, next year? Are we talking redraft five by five? Yeah, let's go with that. That's fine. For redraft five by five. Third round. Like if we were taking Wander Franco there, and honestly, I think if it's a, if we're talking a five outfielder league, then I'm sorry. I think outfield is less deep than even, you know, shortstop was. I, I think if we were willing to take Franco as high as the third round, I know you weren't. I was. Then I'd definitely take Rodriguez because minimum I'm getting the speed floor for Rodriguez, right? So. I like him more than Franco for fantasy. Sure. Yeah, I, think, I do too. I he, so I, uh, I'm going to put this out there. I think that he will, I think his min pick next year will be in the first round. I think there's going to be people taking him in the first round. And I don't think that that's, I think when that happens, like I, I can already foresee myself picking middle of the first round, taking someone else, and being annoyed when he doesn't fall back to me, but not regret it, not feeling like, wow, I can't believe somebody reached for him at 12. Sure. I'll just be frustrated because I'll be like, man, I really wanted him at like 18. And instead, <laughs> he went 12. I, it's going to happen. It's, I, I think he's like his power is just starting to come out. He had another home run tonight. He now has six home runs. And what is he? He has six home runs and 13 stolen bases in 180 plate appearances. That is like a 2035 pace with a 269 average that, you know, he, he's got to bring the strikeouts down, but they've been coming down. I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I think he's going to be, if he's not a first round pick next year, he will be the year after. That, yeah, that's I think what I see. He's going to have a hard time, I think, getting into the first round just because I expect pitching to continue to adjust. And I mean, we, we just know how much rookie seasons can fluctuate, right? And so he's going to go through these spells of looking awesome. And then, you know, he he's going to have those weeks where he's, you know, one for 19 with 10 strikeouts. And that's okay. That's that's part of the learning curve at major in the major leagues. It's it's not easy to hit major league pitching. And it sounds cliche to say at this point, but it's true. And I, maybe I'd feel more confident if if prospects were hitting more, but it just seems like it's been really hard to find the prospects that have hit. It's kind of shifted my my own philosophy the last couple of years as I approach my long term leagues. But Rodriguez, he does look like an exception. I like your bold take as a as a first round guy, and I mean, if he's not next year, it looks like he will be in a couple of years. And again, I think it's important to note that you and I are not overreacting to a, a, a half a month here. Well, I guess a full month. Right. He's almost over. Thank God. Um, <laughs> this is a player who is the number one prospect in baseball, and, and many had him as the number one fantasy prospect in baseball. He's the complete package. We've known it all along, and it just looks like it's happening. So it, this isn't this isn't you know like as if Bobby Dahlback went off for a month, right? Like this is a guy who's established himself in the minor leagues as one of the premier future players of the sport. Yeah, uh, agreed. So let's let's jump to another name. I'm going to throw one more at you. I'll let you pick one after that. But since we since we mentioned him as well, Wander Franco, is he a guy who right now you would consider using as part of a trade to get upgrades? Or do you think he's locked in untradeable? Well, untradeable is a strong word. Uh, yeah, I think he's right. I, I, nobody's untradeable, like he said, but... 
he's put himself in a position right just based on his the month he's having where like you, you can't really trade him because i mean unless somebody the way people perceive him has not changed of course like yeah. I, I still want wander franco in my long-term leagues but you're gonna have a hard time trying to sell him and get fair value because why would someone else who's trying to win right now because we're only in may you know sell out for a guy who's hitting, you know, whatever he's hitting right now, 240 or he's down 262. It's not as bad as I thought. He's had a little bit of a rough go of it. I guess the the one concerning thing right now is he's in the seventh percentile in walk rate. The walk rate is down four yeah. percent. I think once he relaxes at the plate and we naturally see that come back up, you know, he's he was hitting the ball so hard to start the season. I, I don't know what's happened, but no, I I think right now at this point in time, it's a really hard time to move him. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's true that it's a hard time to move him. I, I think what what concerns me and the reason I would be okay trading him rather than feeling like he's a guy I have to build around is I think we're seeing some of what I raised concerns about before this season. Right. And if you if you go back before this season, I was talking about, you know, a, a Tim Anderson comparison and the the you know, he, he's not going to hit a ton of home runs. He's not going to steal a ton of bases. Yes, he'll give you high average. But like, you know, he now has 482 major league plate appearances under his belt. He's got 11 home runs and six stolen bases. 482, that's, you know, two thirds to three quarters of a season. So you're looking at, I don't know, something like uh 16, 17 home run, 10 stolen base pace. And that's about like, if you go back before the season, that's about the kind of numbers I was saying, you know, maybe it's to 2010, maybe 2015. I I think that there is still, he is such a good real player that I think there is still a perception of him as, yeah, he's going through his cold streak. Yeah, he hasn't been everything we thought he would, but his ceiling is is J-Rod. And I don't think his ceiling is J-Rod. And so... I do think that, you know, if I'm in an auto new league or another league like that, where there might be a team right now willing to trade for a guy who isn't going to help them this year, I, I think I would try to be, I, I do think I would shop Franco looking for a team who says, yeah, 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 he's going through growing pains, but he's only 21 and he's got a, you know, a 30 30 season in him. Cause I think there's people out there who think that and I don't think that. And so I do think I would trade him. I mean, just as a comparison, I do think Rodriguez has a 30-30 season in him. Right. And 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 that to me is the that to me is the difference between him and Franco. So I just think the upside on Rodriguez is better. And, and I do think you're you're right to raise the concern about the walk rate. I, I mean, his walk rate across those 482 plate appearances is 6.4%. He's only striking out 11.4% of the time, which is great. I just I don't know. I would have expected his plate discipline has been non-elite. It hasn't been bad. Like I, I don't I don't want to make it sound like it's you know a disaster or anything like that. But it it hasn't been as elite as I thought it would. And I thought that would translate more quickly. And I still think it will eventually, and I still think it'll be fine, but I don't see that first round upside in him. And so I would be shopping him to someone who's willing to pay first round upside type prices for something that will help me win today. Yeah. I mean, I I don't, I don't know how I'd value them. Honestly, I think 
when I, when I, and when I say I know how I value, I mean, in comparison to each other, like I, I think I'd still prefer Rodriguez because I do agree with you that I think the speed floor is higher, but Franco, I mean, it, it, not that this matters, but I feel like we already have this perception that like Franco has been in the league and like, we're just waiting to see something and we're waiting to see something. He's three months younger than Julio Rodriguez. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean anything fair. in terms of valuing one over the other, but like, I have such a hard time talking about what his future fantasy ceiling is because this is a guy who had a, a future hit grade on the scouting part of it, 80. Like I, I, I see that and I see in spurts what he's done. And I, I still have this like PTSD of him against the Red Sox in the playoffs of like, he was by far the guy I, I was most afraid of. And even though the speed hasn't really come through and I know a lot of people are hesitant about that at the beginning of the year, I, he's another 60 grade speed guy. Like, he could have that kind of season still in him. And, and based on how he started the season, I thought he was just starting it off like, like, all right, here we go. The Wander Franco era has begun. So I'm hoping this is just a little bit of a prolonged slump and he gets right back on that track. But again, three months younger than Rodriguez, he might just be taking a little bit more time to adjust. Yeah, I think that's true. And I, for me, again, the concern I have is not that he won't adjust. It's not that he's not going to be great. I just, I just don't think he's an elite fantasy talent the way I think that Rodriguez is. And and I think that the market for him will still bear elite fantasy player value. So I I, I guess what it comes down to for me is like, I I think I'm less likely three, four years from now to regret that hole at shortstop. If I don't have Franco, than I am to regret giving up Rodriguez. And I think I can get just as good value for Franco now, if not better. So. Yeah, and the position thing, you know, you brought up shortstop. Yeah. I, I still think that's pretty big. Outfield's thin this year, man. I mean, it, it just is. I know. I know. All right, Pete, we, we've got this list in front of you. I went right off the top and was like, I'm going to take the two biggest names on this list. So I'll turn it over <laughs> to you now. Any any name on this list you think we should talk about? Let's keep going with the hitting theme. I kind of want to talk about Stephen Kwan because, first of all, your boy, right? A guardian. Yeah. But also just like... I, I just dropped him in a 16 team league that counts walks. Like I, is he in a full platoon now? Like what is going on with Steven Kwan? So I think there's a couple of things going on with, with Kwan and with the guardians in general, to be honest. One thing is I think they are. So that before the season, they were, you know, they were rumored to be in on Matt Olson. They were rumored to be in on I remember who else or a couple other guys, but they were, they were like, they were like runners up on everyone, it sounds like. At least that's what they would have you believe. Who knows <laughs> how true that is. And then they pivoted and said, all right, we didn't get those guys. And rather than just going out and getting some second rate you know, options, we're going to you know, extend Ramirez and see what the kids can do. And it's funny. I was just at a, a bachelor party last weekend. That was part of, part of our difficulty in scheduling was that I was away. Uh, it was a bachelor party with some friends from high school. One of my buddies is getting married nice. and got lots and lots and lots of questions about like, all right, what's the future for the Guardians? And I kept saying, they need to find out this year, like, is Stephen Kwan the answer in a corner? Is Owen Miller a starter? Is he a utility guy? Is he neither? Similar questions about like Josh Naylor at first base. They just called up Oscar Gonzalez. They're going to have to at some point get a look at some guys like, Gabriel Arias, among others. Like they've got all these guys they got to figure out. Like, is, is Andres Jimenez the shortstop of the future or is it someone else? 
And so I think part of what's happening right now with with Quan is they've got some answers from him. Clearly, his plate discipline transfers, right? Like he came up and he is now he is still striking out less than he walks. He's walking 12.7% of the time, striking out only 8.2% of the time. Like he clearly can put up elite plate discipline and he's not hitting the ball very hard. And he's pro- like his max exit velocity on the year is 103. Like he does not hit the ball very hard. And, and I don't think, you know, I don't think any of that is a surprise, but they needed to see that. Now they've sort of seen that. And so now the question with Quan over time becomes, does he hit enough line drives to run a high bat pip that he can be a sort of, you know, high batting average, high on base, low slugging kind of guy, sort of in a Luis Arise mold? Or is he just not going to hit the ball hard enough at all and really struggle more like sort of what we've seen from Nick Madrigal, maybe his, his college teammate. So I, I, and I, I don't know that they've answered that yet, but I think they're just sort of, they could figure that out over time while also giving reps to all these other players to figure out what they've got in some of these other players. And so I think part of what's going on with him is less a true platoon and more just like, they're going to move guys around a lot. They're going to give a lot of guys a chance. They're going to want to see what all these different players can do. The, the question for me from a fantasy perspective with Quan is, can they find a way to unlock more power from him? And, and the Guardians have a, a history of doing this effectively, right? I mean, this is the, the sort of good hit tool, good plate discipline, no power is... That was Jose Ramirez's profile. That was Michael Brantley's profile. That was Francisco Lindor's profile. Like they've had a series of of legit star players come up with that profile and 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 turn it on. Quan does not hit the ball as hard as those guys did. Right, those guys all hit the ball hard. They just weren't hitting for power. They needed to elevate more. They needed to pull more. Like the big thing that unlocked Jose Ramirez was when they finally got him just turn on everything, and, and he is a a special, special hit tool that allows him to turn on the ball. And so he just hammers stuff down the line and he doesn't have to hit the ball as hard as an Aaron Judge or Giancarlo Stanton and ha- to get as many home runs because he is so good at getting around on everything. Quan, I don't think has that. And so I, I think from a fantasy perspective, like, I think he's a little bit of a slump right now. I think his 272 BAPIP, like, I don't think he's going to run that low a BAPIP. And so I think that, you know, right now he's got a 257 average off that 272 BAPIP, a 358 on base percentage. I think all of those numbers are low. I think he's likely to run more like a 270 to 280 average and ended up with more like a 365 to 375 on base percentage. But it's going to be empty on base as much as you can have empty on base. He'll score a decent number of runs because he'll be on base in front of Ramirez a lot. But I think the challenge with selling him is I don't think there's anyone super, super high on him. So I'm not really sure what you can get. But I certainly like if there's someone out there who's like, yeah, you know, the Guardians have done a good job on locking power. I'm willing to bet on his hit tool and power to come. I would sell to that person. In an OBP league, I'd be happy to sit on him. Like I've got him in our our auto new league, our uh, keep our listener auto new league, and it's you know on base percentage is one of four categories, and I'm happy to just 
trot him out there, not necessarily as one of my you know key starting outfielders, but as a guy I'm comfortable using to just boost my on-base percentage. I don't know. I, I think he's likely to end up as a like less than 10 home runs, probably less than 10 stolen bases, high on-base percentage. And so, yeah. Yeah, I... I- so I agree with all of that looking at the numbers and you and you brought up untapping the power and why it's going to be hard for him to be like a Brantley or a Ramirez or a Lindor and you know basically everything you'd look for for power or especially like cheap power maybe non-authentic power is pulling the ball and hitting a lot of fly balls he doesn't do a lot of either he's actually way below average in both and then I think well is he at least hitting the ball hard you know as you established he's not so he, he's got a long way to go on that front I think you make a good point about the new four by four, right? It's it's even less categories, so that each one is worth that much more. And because he really excels it on base, I could definitely see him being a bargain there, especially for the prices that everybody's got him at. But I <laughs> I should have sold him. I, I I had him and I was riding it out. I was like, you know what, this league is a categories league, but it counts walks. I'm enjoying this. Let's let's ride this kid out. Outfield's thin, but I had to drop him yesterday because I'm, I'm in some injury trouble myself in that league and. It was not pretty. Yeah. I looked at his stats and said, why, why am I still holding on to this guy? Yeah. I mean, I, I can't really argue with that. And I, I like Quan. I do think he's also a a little bit like I was saying with Franco. Like, I think he's going to be a better real life player than he is a fantasy player. But yeah, I he's not a guy I think you have to cut or have to get rid of or like sell while you can. Like, I think people are overreacting to what's a little bit of a slump for him right now. But yeah, it's going to be empty on base percentage. I think it'll be really good on base percentage, but I think it's going to be empty on base percentage. And that just, it only goes so far. Yeah. You only need so many, you know, David Fletcher's and Luis Arias's. Sure. Let's switch things over and talk pitching. I'm going to throw two names out at once here because they're teammates and I can do that. George Kirby and Logan Gilbert. The Mariners are, I mean, to say the Mariners are a mess is an understatement. Like, (laughs) while I am a Guardians fan, I live in Seattle and I'm a Mariners ticket holder. And people here were so excited for this team. And they are in last place in the AL West right now. And you think, okay, well, yeah, someone's got to be in last place. But someone could be the Rangers. Someone could be the Athletics. Like, but no, someone is the Mariners. However... Kirby, a little up and down, but has looked really good at times. And Logan Gilbert, I mean, you know, the month of April, he looked like he was going to win the Cy Young Award running away. Now he looks more like a very, very good pitcher. But they've both been, you know, there's real promise about the future of this rotation with those two at the front of it. What are you doing with them in fantasy, though? Are they guys that you think are like, these are cornerstones of my rotation in the future? Or are they guys that you feel like, man, if I could if I could swap one of these guys out for a, I don't know, a Verlander or someone like that who has no future but has been awesome, I would do it. Yeah, I'd do that in a heartbeat. I'm, I'm hesitant on just about every young starting pitcher now, especially if I'm, try- if I'm trying to win this year. Like, I get holding on to them. And, and to be fair, I think Gilbert is going to have a pretty big workload this year, so it's not so much a workload concern. But if I, if you're telling me somebody who's selling is going to give me their future value of zero Justin Verlander for my George Kirby or my Logan Gilbert, I'm definitely doing that. I'm not sure what they're going to bring really in the in the near term to my team. 
Gilbert swing strike rate of 11% is actually down from last year. George Kirby's is all the way down at 10% so far in the major leagues. I think they're working through some kinks. Like you said, that team's kind of a disaster. I I would happily move on from either of them. I shouldn't say happily. I mean, especially Gilbert. I'm pretty happy if I have him so far. I'm probably looking pretty good in the standings if I've had Logan Gilbert to this point. But I have no problem. This is more of a theory thing for me than it is so much these specific players. Young starting pitchers, I'm fine parting with them. I'm shopping Mackenzie Gore. I know he's another name you got on this list in a 16-team league I have him in, even though he's also been phenomenal. And I'm willing to bet his swinging strike rate's that much higher. And he's been pretty just fastball dominant so far. Rolandzi Contreras is another one. You and I liked him going into the season. I think he's going to be great. But what's he going to throw? 90 innings? Yeah. Like I, I'm fine moving on from that, even if you know he's a Cy Young contender three years from now. Yeah, I think with with these guys, I'm more willing to move Kirby, which is hard for me to say because I really love George Kirby. I'm more willing to move Kirby than Gilbert. I think Gilbert. One of the things that stands out for me with Gilbert is that we've seen some real progression and development from him, and I feel like he is tapping into more and more as he grows always a good sign. And like you mentioned his swinging strike rate, it's down to 11% on the year. As great as he was in April, since May 1st, his last four starts, not counting May 1st, his swinging strike rate is 12.9%. That's up 2% basically. Like first, you know, let's actually look this the other way. His first five starts, his swing strike rate was 9.4%. So it's actually up 3.5% from his first five starts to his last four starts. Now, four starts versus five. Like, this isn't some, like, oh, he's turned a corner. Like, you know, we'll see. But it's, he struggled last year. He came out and looked great in April. He's continuing to make improvements and, and grow his his game. And I'm, I like seeing that. And it, it gives me a lot of hope for his future. I love Kirby because I, I just, I love the skill set. I love guys who throw strikes and who don't walk anybody. But his, you know, you look at his numbers in the year, he has a 23.5% strikeout rate and a 2.4% walk rate. 2.4%. Like he's been just absolutely stellar at keeping guys off base. The problem is his fastball looks a little hittable. And that is, you know, that's a concern that he's going to have to work through. I think where where things differ for me with these two is I think that it's going to take more for Kirby to work through that. He's still at the beginning of that process, whereas Gilbert's more in the middle of it. But just to give you a sense, among pitchers who have thrown 20 plus innings, Kirby's thrown exactly 20. There are five pitchers with a walk rate under 2.5%. Kirby is one of them. The other four are, it's like, this is such a random group. So Clay Holmes and Kevin Gaussman, who have been, both been just absolutely incredible. Jimmy Herget, Herget, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name, for the Angels. Yeah, reliever for the Angels. He's made 16 appearances. One is a starter, although I think it was as an opener. And he has a 2.2% walk rate. Crazy. And then Chris Paddock. Kirby has a lower walk rate than guys like Clayton Kershaw, Jose Arquiti, Max Freed. I mean, it's super impressive what he's been able to do so far. And from the perspective that we know that strikeout minus walk rate is a 
you know, maybe the most telling stat for pitchers. Right. Let's try Kirby, again, among starting pitchers with 20 plus innings. Let's see. There are 150 pitchers who have thrown 20 plus innings. George Kirby is 25th. He's right in between Alex Cobb and, and tied with Christian Javier. Like he's at 21.2% on that. Justin Verlander, who we just talked about as a trade target for him, 21.5%. So I, I, I have a hard time. I think the future is super, super bright for Kirby. I just think that this year is going to be rocky for him. I think he's going to get hit hard at times. And so I am I'm willing to make that move to give him up for someone who's more immediately helpful. Whereas I do think that Gilbert is like, I think it's just harder to find someone who I think is going to be better than Gilbert this year, I guess is the way I would put it. Like, I I just think Kirby, because I think he's going to be rockier, he's going to be more up and down. He's probably going to throw fewer innings. I just think he's, it's easier to like, I can take a less elite pitcher and still get a real upgrade or a less elite bat and still feel like I've really improved my team. Whereas I'm going to need more for Gilbert. So that's sort of where I'm, where I am with them. Yeah, I, I hear that. I mean, I'm a lot more in on Gilbert to this point, just because of the same thing that you said, like I like Kirby as well, but Gilbert's just further along in that process. I do worry, I guess a little bit. It's, it almost sounds stupid about guys who like, I shouldn't say I worry, but it raises my eyebrows. Guys that, literally walk nobody and the reason why i say that is because if you're not getting guys to chase at all because you're just living in the zone then you know you run the risk of just having that high bat if so many balls are being put in play but with kirby like based on these four starts so far we're going to need a much bigger sample you're not really you know it's four starts not enough for you to just definitively answer who is george kirby come on you got 20 innings that's (laughs) plenty no (laughs) No. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, that, that should definitely be good enough. But I mean, if you, if you do look at it, if we just want to have fun and dive into the small sample, like even though he basically walked nobody, you know, the chase rate's not great. I mean, it's it's below MLB average, but, you know, the he's in the zone and, and, and he's obviously been in the zone above the MLB average, but he's still getting guys like he's at his zone contact is still down. So even though he's in the zone, guys are having trouble with it on average than other pitches that are in the zone and so if he has been a little bit more deceptive and, and he can keep that up then that's fine but you know I, I you would know but maybe more about this than i do because i remember it was an issue with shane bieber early in his career where people were like it this guy actually needs to throw more balls <laughs> like like you get the ball out of the zone at least a little bit of the time and maybe you won't be hit so hard or maybe you'll have a little bit more deception and get the strikeouts up a little bit to this point i don't think it's haunted kirby but i could see that being a yeah i mean it could be i think you know you look at his chase rate like you said out of that 150 starting pitchers with 20 plus innings he's 98th in chase rate 97th in chase rate he's also tied with framber valdez He's he's at 31.2%. The two guys at 31.3% are Michael Kopech and Tristan McKenzie. Garrett Whitlock and Jesus Lazardo are 31.1 and 31.0. Like you you obviously would love to see him getting more than an average chase rate, but it's not like he's in some crazy terrible tier where nobody is swinging at anything outside the zone. In terms of his the the Bieber comparison and does he need to throw more balls in order to get guys to chase more get those strikeouts up maybe and I think that might be another reason why this year might be a a challenge for him because my guess is and I could be wrong and I, I I think this if the Mariners don't turn things around this only exacerbate itself but like 
they may want him to just do his thing right now, right? Don't suddenly start telling him, throw more waste pitches. Like, at least I don't think they will. But the thing that Kirby is known for is not just not walking guys. It's his command. It's his ability to place the ball where he wants to place it. And so if, in fact, he does need to throw the ball outside the zone more, and they start saying, I'm like, you know, we need you to throw a few more pitches that are an inch below the knees or an inch offside off the plate or whatever. I think he'll just do it. Like, I think he's more than capable of doing that. And so I, I guess this, if I'm building for the future, I would love to be adding Kirby. Like if I'm, if I'm selling right now, Kirby is exactly the kind of guy I'd like to target because I think he, his future is super bright. And I also think you can get him as not necessarily the, the, primary guy in a trade because you know his his overall numbers like he's got a 4.50 ERA like people are going to look at that and be more willing to sell than maybe they should be. So I he is the kind of guy if I'm if I'm if I'm selling and getting ready for the future, he's the kind of guy I want to target. In in auto new leagues, like I would love to have him on my roster in auto new leagues where I may be able to keep 30 guys if I want to. In my CBS league where I'm going to keep 14, I probably wouldn't be shopping Gilbert. I probably will be shopping Kirby. And it it, it hurts me to do that because I, I love Kirby, but I think it's, I just think this year will be up and down. And I think that he, if I can get someone I can rely on, I, I need to do it. He is in, in not new. He's a tough sell at an average salary of $3.50. If you've got him close to that, that's a really hard. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll go through a handful more of these guys. Hey, Alex Fast here. And thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, welcome back. We're continuing to go through some young players who have been breaking out and discussing whether or not we think they are guys you should be holding to build around or guys you should be selling to try to win now. I just I just threw two pitchers out there, so now it's it's your turn again, Pete. I'll give you a couple here. Who do you want to talk about next? Let's chat some Mackenzie Gore. Brought him up earlier that I'm trying to shop him yeah. in another league, and I didn't want to give folks the wrong impression that I'm not big on Mackenzie Gore because... I am. First of all, it's just awesome to see because it looked like another potential elite pitching prospect that their career was kind of coming not to an end, but to this like unceremonious MLB debut and that he was going to kind of be a disaster. And I mean, he, he nothing was working for him over the last couple of seasons. But I and I, I don't know what happened. Maybe you remember, Chad, was there an injury involved? Or, he had or what injuries. His plummet, his yeah, he had injuries plummeted. and he was ineffective. I mean, like you look at his boy. In twenty 
18. He was very good as a 19-year-old in A-ball. 2019, he came back and absolutely dominated high A. And then moved up to double A and only got five starts, only 21.2 innings. But he was okay in 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 double A that year. Like not not great, but okay in those 21 innings. Mm-hmm. And he only threw about a hundred pitches in 2019. He'd only threw or hundred pitches. That's not the right hundred innings in 2019. If he only threw a hundred pitches, man, that'd be concerning. Hundred <laughs> innings <Yeah>. in 2019. <laughs> He had only thrown about 80, 82 innings between 2017 and 2018 combined. Didn't pitch in 2020, right? And there was a chance he was going to be up in 2020, and instead he wasn't around at all. And then in 2021, he came back, and even last year, I mean, he he pitched across one, two, three, four levels. He pitched at the complex level, high A, double A, and triple A in 2021. And it was a combined 51 and a third innings. 50 and a third innings, 50 and a third, combined 50 and a third innings. And like he pitched really well at the complex level, but he was 22. Of course he did. He was not good in five innings at high A. He was good in nine innings, double A. And then he was not good in 20 innings at triple A. Like it was a super rocky season across multiple levels without very many innings. And yeah, I mean, I, man, I, for sure, I thought he was, I thought he was done. And instead, he has been just stellar. I, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, he's thrown 35 innings. He's a 2.06 ERA, a 2.37 FIP. Everything, almost everything looks good, I guess. There's probably some things that don't. Like, I don't think he's going to maintain yeah, a he's- 3.1% home run per fly ball rate. But then you look at his XFIP, which should correct that. And his XFIP <laughs> is 3.27. So if that corrects and it drives those ERA up to 3 like fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I th- that's probably where he's going to be. There's a couple things that stick out to me. I mean, first of all, the swing strike rate is actually way lower. I thought it was going to be higher than those guys before. He's at 10.3%. And I think part of the reason for that is he's relying so heavily on the fastball. And when you watch him, I mean, it looks nasty. Any lefty that throws 97, it just comes in on those hitters and he looks incredible, but he's not getting the swings and misses despite averaging over a strikeout an inning. It just seems like kind of an anomaly at this point. Obviously, I think that's going to level off. You know, he's never been so fastball dominant in his entire career. So, I, I, you know, it's weird that it's been that way in the major leagues. Once that those secondaries start getting thrown more, I think we'll see the swinging strike rate go up a little bit. Does that mean he's going to go from a nine caper nine guy to a 10? I don't know if it's going to make that much of a jump, but I do think there's there's growth to be had there that he hasn't had yet. With that said, in the short term, if he continues to rely so much on the fastball, then you might see, you know, the the first of all, he's not going to continue to go deep into games, which he hasn't so far, but he won't start going deep into games if he's only having, you know, if he's a 65% fastball guy. Um, but also, I don't think you're going to see those strikeouts go any higher than they've been to this point unless he makes that adjustment. Yeah. And I think, you know, you look at him pitch by pitch and maybe it's a pitch mix thing. Right, maybe it just is because he is—he is right now sixty-five percent four seamers, fifteen percent each on his slider and curve, and five percent on his changeup. His changeup is the only one of his pitches that has an above-average swing strike rate and whiff rate. His curveball is below average in both. His slider is below average in whiffs and slightly above average in swinging strikes. His four seamer is below average in both. That's a little bit surprising to me 
given how effective he's been, right? Like you would think that he's got to be getting whiffed somewhere, but none of his pitches, again, except that changeup, which is the only, which he only throws 5% of the time. And that might be why it's so far above average, right? Like if, if effectively people are saying you can ignore the changeup, he never throws it. Then when he does throw it, it, it catches people off guard. CSW, we talked to Alex Fast about that in a show last year and and what a great stat that is for understanding how effective a pitcher's been. And a 30-ish percent is about league average. He is well below that on f- th- both his four-seamer and his slider. So league average four-seamer CSW is 27%. He's at 25.7. On the slider, league average is 31.3%. He's at 25.3%. The curve, he's just above average, 30.2% versus 29.8%. The change, he's actually, again, well above average, 29% versus 24.1%. So he, I, I think he does need to do something with his pitch mix here. He needs to use his, his breakers more. It certainly looks like he needs to use his changeup more, although I'd then worry about how effective the changeup would be if he started using it more. I don't know. I like I, I look at him and I don't see... I don't see that killer pitch that he can lean on. At least not by the numbers. And yeah, it right. hasn't emerged yet. That So sure. that to me, I guess that that sort of makes me feel like I would consider selling him. I also think like the Padres have a deep rotation. If at any point he struggles or his velocity dips, he is a prime candidate for a phantom IL stint or a relief stint or something to keep those innings down. I also just, again, not seeing the pitch. He doesn't have a pitch that gets particularly high chase rate. He doesn't have a pitch that gets particularly high whiffs or swing strikes. None of his pitches look, he looks to me like he throws three average-ish pitches and a and a very good changeup that he doesn't use very often. And that might only be very good because he doesn't use it very often. And that worries me about what his long-term will look like as the league gets adjusted to him. Because I think, you know, we talk sometimes, I, sometimes I think we overblow the league learning and getting scout, you know, the scouting book getting out on a guy and stuff like that, because like the scouting in the minors is so good now that you know, there's no surprises, right? It's like nobody needed to discover what the weakness in Julio Rodriguez's game was. They'd all seen everything they needed to see from AAA to know that. With Gore, I'm not sure that was true, right? He only He's only thrown you know, 150, 200 innings in like four years. So there isn't a lot of tape on him. And he was so bad last year that I'm not sure what we're seeing this year has anything to do with who he was last year. And so I do think this may be a case where like, we're still getting tape on him. People are still figuring out who he is and what he's done. You know, he's, he has only faced one team for a second time. And that was Cincinnati. And he was great against them both times but it was Cincinnati. So like, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know. I, he really, like he hasn't had a bad appearance yet. Like everything's been good. There, there is, there is nothing here that makes me think that, that, that immediately makes you think like, yeah, he's going to be, things are going to fall apart. But there's when I, the deeper I dig, the less I feel like, yeah, yeah, I get it. I can see what's making him so dominant. It, it feels a little smoke and mirror It definitely does, and you brought up the schedule. I mean, 
it was the Braves without Acuna. I don't know who else they were without, sure. but it was definitely without Acuna's first outing of the year. Reds, Reds, Guardians, Cubs, Phillies, and that was a relief appearance. So he didn't he didn't have to start that game. He he pitched three innings, so he went through the whole lineup. But it was a relief appearance, and the Phillies liked to strike out. Now his best outing was his most recent one. That was against the Giants. I'm not sure how many swing strikes he had, but he did end up with six strikeouts. But even the Giants, like as awesome as they are, you look at their lineup, it's like, ugh. like what's going to happen when he, you know, has to go up against Atlanta now or the Dodgers or the Padres? Well, he's not going to go up against the Padres. I'm sure he does in batting practice, maybe. But uh, otherwise, I don't think he's going to have to face the Padres this year, Chad. Probably but not. what happens when he goes up against these good offenses or when he goes to cores? Like, I, I feel like he really hasn't been tested yet. And it sounds stupid. They're all major league hitters. Sometimes I get annoyed when people bring up schedule, but I think here it matters because like you said, there might not really be a book out on him. And if he really is throwing, you know, 65% fastballs, then there's definitely not a book out on him because he definitely wasn't doing that in the minors. So you combine that against these kind of bad offenses so far. No offense to your guardians. I know they started off awesome. I don't know how they were doing when they faced Gore though. And, and you maybe do kind of have a recipe for a little bit of a fluke so far. And because it's the name Mackenzie Gore, it looks more legit than it yeah, actually Yeah, I mean, is. looking at his his start against San Francisco, he had 11 whiffs in that start. Seven of them were on that four-seamer. But again, that, that four-seamer is sort of, he leaned so heavily on it. I don't know. I, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, when when is he going to have, like, when's he going to have a, a start or two that makes me say, like, yes, this is what I wanted to see what he could do. And like he's gonna start Sunday against the Pirates, so that's that's not the start that's gonna be. He better <laughs> right. dominate. He needs to dominate that. And by the way, in terms of dominating, he has had one start this year with a thirty percent or higher CSW. That was, or sorry, not even true. He has yet to have a start with a thirty percent CSW. His only appearance at thirty percent was the relief appearance against the Phillies. So uh, there, there's a lot of there's just a lot of little things in that that are like, eh, I'm not sure. Let's see. I'm trying to see who he's going to start after that Pirates start. The Padres have the Cardinals, but he won't get them. I guess next weekend he should get a start at the Brewers. Maybe that's something. I don't know. He he continues to phase like the Brewers are, are at least have some good hitters, especially if you know they get Adamas back or anything like that. But I don't know. I I'm. I, I want to be excited about Mackenzie Gore, and yet I'm finding myself not sure. And because I'm not sure, because I'm, I'm not sure, boat. he doesn't feel like a guy I want to rely on and build around. He feels more like a guy I would like to move on from if I can. And so that's, yeah, that's where I'm netting out with, with Mackenzie Gore. Let's see. We got we've been going all over 50 minutes now. We probably should try to wrap this up relatively soon. So maybe we can try to go through a few names like really quickly, spend like no more than a minute on each of these guys and see how many we can get through. So why don't we take turns? Why don't why don't you pick someone first? We'll spend a minute and then we'll move on. All right. Well, you know who I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna have to go with Jazz Chisholm. 
and Jazz start off on fire. I think the strikeout rate's been starting to creep up a little bit, but there's no chance I'm selling high on Jazz, especially if it's a category league. I'm still all in on Jazz Chisholm, so I don't know if there's much more for me to say. Strikeout rate is still down tremendously from his first two seasons in the bigs. It's down at 24%, which if that if that's where he lives, Chad, he's Yeah, he's I mean, yes, things have, like, he went through a down stretch at some point. I'm trying to remember, like, sort of where it was, but it's, it yeah, but even that, I mean, like. Right. I mean, everything's recently because. But, like, okay, man. if I look at his last, you know, his last three games, he has a 34 WRC plus. But but other than that, it's like you go back his last week or so. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think if I'm like really working hard to pick arbitrary endpoints and make him look bad, I can get him down to like a 112 WRC plus between May 5th and May 21st. <laughs> like, and that's still really good. So I'm this is my uh this is my mea culpa on on Chisholm. I was, I was out. I, he was not a guy I was targeting and I, I think I was just wrong. So yeah, I'm with you. I think if I, I the process, the process was good, but I, yeah, he just worked out. But I think if you've, if you've got him to me, like there's no sense, there's no need to trade him. You're, you're very happy and you should be. Let's stick with middle infield and look at Jeremy Pena. So Pena is a guy who I feel like I was like theoretically in on before the season, but I actually didn't end up with him on any of my rosters. And now he's sitting here with a 293 average, 347 on base, 504 slugging, seven home runs already. He's got three stolen bases without being caught. He's, you know, that Astros lineup, it feels like that Astros lineup is somehow good no matter how many players they lose or like just everybody disappears and they just keep crushing. So yeah, I mean, I think... I think I would just keep riding Jeremy Pena. I think at this point, if I've got him as my shortstop, I don't see any real need to trade him. Yeah, you look at the numbers and it's he's underperforming his expected statistics, which, you know, we can take that with a grain of salt given how the the nebulous nature of the current expected statistics. But like he, everything looks good from the ground ball rate to the launch angle and the exit velocity, even the max EVs already hit a ball 110 and a half miles an hour, like stolen three bases in a great lineup. I'm I'm in on Jeremy Pena. There's no reason to move on from him. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's right. And, and just to throw us out there, it seems it may it may seem weird that earlier I was like, yeah, I would sell Wander Franco. And now I'm like, I wouldn't I would be very happy with Jeremy Pena. But that's not to say <laughs> that I think Pena is better, certainly not a better baseball player than Franco, but not even necessarily a better fantasy player than than Franco, although I think it's closer than a lot of people would want to admit. It's more that I think I could get so much value for Franco and I don't think I can get nearly as much for Pena. So that's to me it's a it's a value play. Pl- yeah, like it, if you could move Franco for like Aaron Nola and Jeremy Pena, then like yeah. that's a no-brainer, right? Because you you're still getting a good shortstop and now you've got an ace. That kind of deal. I'm, all right. I'm all Who do you want to talk about next? Look through the list. Let's talk some Brandon Marsh. Ooh, interesting one. He's gone so cold. I had him in TGFBI and like all of my like fringy guys were really holding me up in TGFBI and he has fallen off the face of the earth. The strikeout rate is exactly where we didn't want to see it. It's still above 30%. He's actually walking less than he was last season, which really wasn't that bad, but you don't want to see that coincided with no improvement in the strikeout rate. And he has he has just gone cold and there's the, the angels are not short in options. And so that has me 
a little concerned. Uh, he, I mean, he's got five hits over his last three games. He's, he hasn't completely fallen off the face of the earth, but relatively to the pace he was on, or relative to the pace that he was on, I should say, he has gone cold and it's just been been a bummer. Yeah, I mean, even that cold pace, like the last, let's say, two and a half weeks, which is really sort of as cold as he's been, he's still a 102 WRC plus, so he's still been just above average offensively. However, it's like good average, 280 average, okay on base at 303, no power. He has not hit a home run since May 7th. He hit one in the fifth and one in the seventh and nothing in the three weeks since. Uh, We're recording this on Friday the 27th. So if he homers tonight and I miss it, sorry. Uh, But he, yeah, I... I don't know what you could trade him for. So this may be a case where like I would shop him and not find anything of value and say, forget it. I'll just keep him because I still believe in him long term. But yeah, if I could in, I don't know if I could trade a cheap Brandon Marsh for an expensive, solid offensive outfield bat, I would do it. I, I think in a league where I'm competing, I don't want to rely on Marsh, but I think he, I think he could be good in the future. I just, it's clearly going to be too up and down. And until he brings that strikeout rate down, he either needs to strike out a lot less or he needs to homer a lot more. He's got to do one of the two. And yeah. the homer a lot more is like he had in 2018 between A and high A, he hit 10 home runs. That is the only calendar year in which he has hit 10 home runs. So he's not going to come back and hit a bunch of home runs for you. And so he's got to strike out That's a lot less. And, and so. I still like him. I still believe in him. But yeah, I would I would move on. I'm I'm not worried about him. I think you can live without him. You talked Marsh. Let's talk a guy who's a little bit of a sort of secondary breakout or something. I don't know how you, how, what do you it's not even a secondary breakout, but let's talk Glaber Torres. Because Glaber Torres, you know first of all, Glaber Torres apparently homered today. I didn't even realize that. So that that makes it timely. But obviously Torres, 2018-2019 at 21 and 22 years old, was just an absolute stud. He played very limited time in Against the Orioles. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, he, he did hit 62 home runs over two years. And they weren't all against the Orioles. So, <laughs> yeah, only like 49 <laughs> of them were. But after then a injury shortened sort of only okay, but not too bad 2020 injury plus the shortened season. I think he had both. He only played 42 games that year. Then in 2021, he was he was just bad. Right, 307 Woba. He only had nine home runs and 516 plate appearances. And all of a sudden this year, he's got seven home runs. He still only has a 309 Woba, by the way. Now, the offensive environment is very different. And so last year, his 307 Woba last year was a 94 WRC plus. His 309 Woba this year is a 105 WRC plus, which is just crazy how much better that is. But he does have seven home runs. He isn't stealing bases at all. Oddly, I drafted him in places being like, oh, at least he'll you know, steal me 10 to 15 bases. Like, nope, zero. Hasn't even tried. Very strange. But the yes. power seems like it's back, maybe. What do you th- what do you see? Yeah, I'm I'm actually interested in Glaber Torres. I mean, he's he's underperforming his expected stats by a significant margin. For example, the 234 batting average, he actually has a 290 expected batting average, and that's largely driven by the hardest exit velocity, the highest exit velocity average exit velocity he's had in his career at 92.4. I mean, he is absolutely smoking the ball. He's going to be in a fist fight for playtime all year, but if you, they can't really consistently bench him right now, and, and I know DJ LeMay, who's having a little bit of a wrist issue, if that gets prolonged, then Glaber's going to 
safely stay in that lineup. But as long as the power's there, you know, we've seen speed come in bursts, right? Like it wouldn't be surprising if he has, you know, a random five stolen base July or something. And now all of a sudden in those Roto leagues, it doesn't matter when he gets them. He could have got them the first week of the season and stopped. But, you know, eight to 10 is eight to 10. So I wouldn't say it's completely out of the realm of possibility, but it's really promising to see the power coming through for Torres, particularly after the last couple of years. And I know when he was first breaking on the scene it was like funny it was like viral to make fun of his how everyone talks about his age but it is easy to forget he's still just 25 years old so i i, I still think there's plenty of potential there and, and i'm in i'm not i don't think i'm selling because i still don't think you're going to get fair value he's been so bad the last year and a half i i built this list that we're looking at by filtering a leaderboard to players 25 and under with over a 100 WRC plus, I added then a couple names of guys who I thought were interesting, but then and took out like I mentioned this to Pete before we started recording. But Rafael Devers was on that list, and it's like we don't need to talk about him. <laughs> There's not a lot to say, so I took him off. I took Luis Robert off, a few other guys. But when I saw Glaber's name, I was like, wait, I thought I filtered this to under 20 or 25 and under, and then I was like, oh yeah, he's still super young. So I I think. I'm with you. I am in on Glaber Torres. I think that there's a I think there is a big season coming and I think at some point he's going to something's going to click for him and he's going to go on a tear and his end of season numbers are going to be looking real good. However, getting back to sort of the theme of the show, would I do I feel like this is a guy I have to build around or would I be comfortable trading him? I think I would trade him if I got the right value. But I think you made a good point that like, I'm not sure you can get that value. He is not a guy, I'll put it this way. He is not a guy I feel like I have to build around. I'll regret it if I trade him, like the way I feel about Julio Rodriguez. But I don't know that I would end up trading him anywhere just because I just, I don't know. I have a I have him in a dynasty league where, let me see if I can pull up this roster. Because I have him in this dynasty league where I'm not, always able to use him. So my middle infield in that league includes Glaber. Then I've got Xander Bogarts, Francisco Lindor, Jeff McNeil. I mean, that's basically the key guys. I also have Andreas Jimenez, who I think is pretty good. I also have Brendan Rogers, who I still think will eventually be good. Maybe. I don't know. But I've got these guys that like, you know, Xander and Lindor are basically everyday players for me. And then Glaber, McNeil, like it, it bounces around a little bit. And so I've tried shopping him because it was like, all right, I've got no, no, no real interest. And so I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm sitting on him, but it's not for like, I would like to trade him, not because I don't believe in him, but because I think I, it would just be a good idea to trade him. And I can't really do that. So I guess I'm going to sit on him because I can't trade him. And I'm fine with that too. And I've just sort of, it's a very non-committal answer. Do whatever you want with Glaber Torres. If you get good value, trade him. If you don't, keep him. All of it's fine. <laughs> Wait until he faces the Orioles, and then once that season, once yeah. that series is over, then you can trade him for whatever you want. <laughs> Maybe that's what I'll do. So let's get to one more. Throw one more name at me off this list, and then we'll we'll wrap up. I kind of want to talk about Alec Bohm. Okay. Yeah, I he got absolutely blown away the other night in three pitches. I'm trying to remember who I was. Why it was a. 
think I was hoping that my opponent's starting pitcher blew. I can't remember. And the bases were loaded. And I was like, all right, here we go. Alec Bowman. He just got smoked in three pitches. There's some random anecdotal story for you. But I don't think he's going to hit for power. I'm now all of a sudden worried about it. I thought we were seeing a breakout. I was looking at the exit velocity, look at the pedigree, and, and he was just getting his bat on everything. The strikeout rate came down, and I thought, here we go. This is Alec Bowman. This is who we, we wanted him to be. Finally, you know, we're, we're getting a prospect breakout for the Phillies. And I, I, I just think now all of a sudden, like he's third base. That's valuable. That position is an absolute pit. But I mean, what what are we really expecting to get? Like, is he going to just be a nice 290 hitter with 10 home runs? If so, does that just make him like a like a slightly poorer man's Cabrian Hayes? In which case, like, fine. So if you can capitalize on the name without the steal. So if, if you can just capitalize on the name Alec Bohm because he still holds some hopeful prospect breakout to people, then then maybe trade him. And again, I, I, w- I was pretty happy about him just a couple of weeks ago. And I still am. I don't think he's actively hurting my teams. I'm just thinking, uh, maybe I kind of put the cart before the horse and he, he's not this big breakout that I thought he was going to yeah, be. Yeah, he had a, they had a series with the Dodgers at LA from the 12th to the 15th of May. And the first three games of those that series, he did not strike out once. 15 plate appearances, one walk. I think that's right, one walk. Yeah, one walk. He had four hits. He had a double and a triple. Pretty good. Since then, since May 15th, he has yet to go a a game without a strikeout. He has struck out at least once in every game since then. That's a 38.8% strikeout rate over that time frame. And, you know, today, he was two for five today, scored a run, two strikeouts in those other three plate appearances. Like, it's a, that strikeout rate is concerning to me. Because his calling card needs to be his hit tool. And like he's running a 22.8% strikeout rate right now. That's, it's not bad. But I don't think for his power, it's low enough. And so, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I still like Bohm. But I think I would trade him if I could get good value for him. And I'm, I, I just don't know if I don't know if you can. And so I think the actual like, yeah, it's it's a tough sell. Yeah. So I, I think what I'm doing with Bohm in in shallower leagues, whew, I don't know. In shallower leagues, I might be cutting him. I hate to say it, but like, I just I don't think for he sure. does enough. And that's fine. In deeper leagues, I might be waiting for a hot streak. Right. Wait for him to tear off three or four. You know, he is very capable of going like six out of 12 over a three game stretch. And when he does that, I might sell, but yeah, I'm not, it's, I I really early on this year, I really thought this was it. It was happening. Like you said, we were getting that breakout and just, just hasn't maintained it. Just hasn't maintained it. So we'll see. He's, uh, he's, he's posting right now, career low, 14.4% 14.4% fly ball rate. I mean, what is he then? Eric Hosmer, third base, like young Eric Hosmer at third base. And if that is like at third base, maybe we get some a little bit of value out of him. But <laughs> that's yeah, bad. I think, I you know, I'm not worried. I'm not super worried about the fly ball rate because I just don't think that's his game. I like, and I think you have to accept the fact that that's not his game, and he's knocking in a ton of home runs. He he is fortunate to play in a park where 
he could probably hit 10 to 15 home runs without trying, which will will boost him a little bit. But I don't know. I mean, his barrel rate isn't particularly good at 7.6%. It was 10.3% in that breakout 2020. His hard hit rates at a career low. I I don't know. As I say that, his X stats look really good. His X Woba is 368 versus a 318 Woba, 499 X slugging versus a 400 slugging. So, like, maybe I should be giving him more credit for that than I am, but just, I don't know. The walk rate is down. The strikeout rate is up and climbing. I just, I don't know. So, who would you rather have, Chad? Yandy Diaz or Alec Bohm? Oh, man. That is interesting. Or are they the same thing? They might be the same thing. They hit the ball very hard into the ground. <laughs> I think the floor is higher on Diaz because his, I mean, like he strikes out a third as often, like literally a third as often as Bohm. Like Bohm's like a 23, yeah, 24%. Fair. He's at strikeout rate for Yandy Diaz this year is 8.8%. Diaz is walking 15.5%. He's going to give you like yeah. on base leagues. It is clearly Yandy Diaz. It's not even close. It's clearly Yandy Diaz. In average leagues, oh, for it's sure. more interesting. Yeah. But I still, I, I think the, I think Diaz is safer. He has the same issue elevating, but he also hits the ball harder. It's Diaz. I think. I think that's the short answer. In 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 on base leagues, it's definitely Diaz, and in standard leagues, I think it's still Diaz. And on that yeah, super positive note for Phillies fans, I think we're going to call it. So thank you for listening. As a reminder, please leave us ratings and reviews wherever you subscribe to podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. You can also hit us up on Twitter at keep or cut. That's cut with a K. You can find Pete at Pete B baseball. You can find me at Chad young. Hope you enjoyed this and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>